Welcome to the Locker Room Podcast, presented by the University of Maryland Sports Business Society. Welcome back to the second season of the Locker Room Podcast. I'm today's host, Luke Creamer, and today I'm joined by the Vice President of Regulatory Affairs for the UFC, Mark Ratner. Mark, it is my pleasure to have on the show. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you. I'm glad to be with you. And uh, go Terps. Like I know the rules. <laughs> yeah, go Terps. I know you went to UNLV, is that right? Uh, I went to uh, UNLV one year and University of Nevada in Nevada. I see. Okay, very nice. Um, so uh, first, I want for those listeners that don't know, I want to congratulate you. You recently made the UFC Hall of Fame last year, right? I did, yes. Um, and I, that's such a huge honor after already being in the Boxing Hall of Fame. So congratulations on that. Um, that's a huge honor. Um, so the UFC for me is a new concept. Um, I only really got into it when I started college. That's primarily because I didn't, it wasn't marketed to me and it wasn't really allowed in my house um, when I was younger. And I know you have a lot of uh, influence on that whole marketing scheme and, uh, you know, bringing UFC to the front page. Um, How are you and how have you uh, included the younger generations into watching more UFC or being a part of the whole experience? Well, we've always, uh, it's always been a, a young person sport in so many ways. I think our, our major demo is probably 25 to 39, something like that. But uh, <clears throat> any, any kid who's wrestled, they would know about it in high school. And the word of mouth. But uh, generally, our, our, our big market is sometime after 21. And uh, we're continually marketing, whether it's on ESPN, if you're watching that, you see on the bottom. UFC 270, Saturday night, that kind of stuff. So you're bombarded by it. And yeah, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, I guess it's more difficult to compete with the other sports. Not that you are, but, um, you know, uh, basketball, football, you know, all these kids may grow up playing the sports and growing with their athletes. Whereas UFC, it's more like I did, I learned about it and now I'm invested in all these guys and there's more layers to it. Um, so I understand that side. Um, and in addition, there's kind of the misconception that the MMA and the UFC in general is overly violent um, when that may not be the case. Uh, that isn't the case um, compared to like football, uh, for example. So how were you able to kind of uh, disperse of that rumor or idea um, with the nation? It's about education. <clears throat> uh, good fighters, it's almost like a chess match. For every move, there's a counter move. Certainly there's a lot of striking, but I've been here over 16 years and the most serious injury we've had are broken arms or like in Connor, a, a bone broken his leg. On the, on the kick. But uh, nothing more serious than that. There's always going to be uh, some blood in certain fights, and uh, there will be concussions. But uh, all these people live to, uh, these fighters live to fight another day, sometimes uh, maybe three months later. But uh, we're constantly trying to improve our health and safety, and that's a big part of it. 
Right. Yeah. The sport kind of speaks for itself. You know, everyone knows what they're getting into. Everyone knows what they're watching, you know, broken, like Chris Weidman's broken leg or Connor's broken ankle that happens and they go out and fight again, which I think also shows the relentlessness and proves that the fighters are fighting to fight. You know, they're not just fighting to be an athlete or to be part of a, to make money, you know, Uh, that's what, that's the other thing that I like about the UFC compared to other sports, the passion that these fighters, because they're not fighting for a team. Well, not, you know, they fight for themselves. They have sponsors, but um, they're able to fight for what they believe in. So I really like that. Um, Not everybody likes to fight either. Right, true. Everybody who's fighting uh, is being forced out there. They, some, some, certain makeups love to fight. Those are the ones that will gravitate to the becoming fighters. That is true too. Yeah, well, I, Connor. Connor had some saying where he was talking about. Um, he said he has some. It's a disease, or he's like he's turned into a madman, um, and that kind of made me realize. He's like, but I'm doing it for my family, and it's it's made it's you know, retired my gr- grandma and it's retired my kids and their kids. So, um, you know, that's really what what's impressive. It's a tough story, and there's no question about it. And uh, there's a lot of a lot of ones who are just scraping by, but they're all hoping for that one big, uh, whether it's a title fight or a, a top contender fight. So there's upward mobility, no question about it. I think uh, that jumps right into my other question, kind of the accessibility of the UFC. In um, in other sports, there's minor leagues and there's large teams, and there's more of a <clears throat> chance to kind of make it to the top level. And I see the UFC as the top level, even if there are other um fighting companies but um uh how how are you trying to and are are you trying to involve these smaller minor league um rings in that that you know scout at these younger rings to the ufc or how are you involved with that at all if at all our matchmakers they get videos every day from all over the world but we also have this uh this product called the contender series where when we find them, uh, we can put them on there. Uh, Dana does this show called Looking for a Fight. They're always looking for more people. And uh, that's how you find fighters. Uh, I think there's whole continents of whether it's Brazilians or Africans or all over Europe. There's a lot of fighters out there that we haven't seen yet that we're always looking for. So uh, there's plenty of fighters in the world. And some of them can really, uh, they're going to do damage with our guys. That is true. Um... Uh, and you know, you've made, I, I was reading up on what you've done in what you did in New York five years ago. Was it, um, maybe a little bit 2016, right. 2016. Yeah. Um, and you, uh, you were so determined on getting New York and uh, getting a fight there and having the Connor fight there was so big and, you know, continuing in MSG was so big. Um, why did you find New York was so important to fight for? Uh, you fought for so long. Well, it, it had nothing to do with the sport itself. Our former owners, uh, the Perquita brothers, uh, they were fighting with the, uh, the culinary union here in Las Vegas. And that union was able to stop us in New York for many years. And the uh, Speaker of the House, and Shelley Silver, uh, would never give us a vote. Then uh, he was indicted on some other things. 
and finally got a vote uh, in 2015. And overwhelmingly, I think it was 114 to 26 in the House, and we'd always, always pass the Senate. And then once that happened, the governor signed the bill, and our first fight was September of 16. Wow, that is, I, and I see that as a turning point. I'm sure you do too, but. Um... Well, if you're going to have a sport, you got to have New York. Right. And it's the media sports. So there's so much the world revolves around. And uh, you know, we sell out the garden, we go to Barclays, we'll get a big crowd. We've been up to Utica, we've been all over the state, uh, Albany. So uh, we made promises we would go around the state, and we have. Um, and I also want to touch on, you know, the past two years during the pandemic, that is when I became a UFC fan. Uh, how did, and th I think the reason why is because Fight Island continued when other sports didn't, and I wanted to get involved and watch. How did the pandemic improve your sport um, and, and help you? Well, the pandemic, it did close down most everybody else. Right. There's uh, Dana and his perseverance and his passion. He said, we're not going to close down. We're going to pay every employee. We're going to pay all the fighters. We're going to fight. So we went to Abu Dhabi, to Fight Island. Uh, we went to Jacksonville also before that. And uh, yeah, we, I think in last year, we did 42 or 43 fights where everybody else uh, wasn't doing much. So uh, ESPN was thrilled to give them content. And the fighters were thrilled because they were getting fights. And uh, it, it turned out really good for us. I agree. And I think it also uh, created a bunch of kids like me that were able to, you know, grow love for the sport after not kind of being introduced when they were younger. So um, thank you for that. Um, I also want to go back to more of your earlier days. Um, you worked for the Nevada Athletic Commission, correct? I did. Yes, I was the director of the uh... Commission for uh, close to 15 years. Which um, I, I know you may be a humble guy, but that's like the job of co in combat, top dog, right? In combat sports and regulatory advances. Um, what did you, what was something that you did uh, in your reign there that you were like, this is my pride and joy or, or, or a time that you were like, I really did well here if that, Makes well, I had three major controversies in, in fighting. Uh, the first was, and this is before you were born, but uh, uh, Evander Holofield was fighting with a crow, and a guy flew into the ring with a propeller strapped to his body and called the fan man. You can, yeah. You and your uh, people on here can go uh, Google it. And he landed right on the ring ropes, and somehow he circled the uh, outdoors of Caesars. I don't know how, I didn't see it, but. I knew there was a murmur in the crowd that something was going on. And out of the darkness, here came this guy. And uh, luckily, nobody got hurt. This parachute was stuck on the lights above the, above the whole ring. And it could have pulled him down. Then we would have had a lot of injuries. But uh, thank goodness, uh, it didn't. Uh, the judges uh, had a 21-minute delay there. And uh, they had to score the round. And uh, the fight went to its natural conclusion. And uh, Evander became the new champion from that fight. That was that was '93, right? '93. Then in '97, we just skip a little bit for you. Uh, the infamous bike fight with Mike 
once again the rebander. And uh, this one was uh, All Hell Breaking Loose. And um, Mike did him, and uh, the referee called me up to the ring. And uh, all that said to him, Are you sure you want to disqualify him? I really didn't know what happened. And he said, Let's bring the doctor up. We did that. And he said, It can go on. And then Mike did it again. So that disqualified him for sure. And that was a big moment in my uh, career. Maybe not a positive, but a negative. <laughs> and uh, then right before I came over to the, uh, to the UFC, uh, I used to call him Pretty Boy Floyd, but uh, Money Floyd was fighting Zab Judah. And uh, Zab hit him uh, behind, behind the head and uh, hit him in the groin. And uh, Roger Mayweather, that's uh, Floyd's uncle, jumped, jumped in the ring. And uh, Zab's father, and they had a big melee. And uh, I was criticized for not disqualifying Floyd. And I said, how can you disqualify Floyd? He just got tagged. So those were three of my uh, big moments that probably have propelled me in a way uh, more famous than I, than I would have been. Those are, yeah, those are, um, I mean, especially in a sport of such big personalities, combat sports is all about personalities. So, you know, those are some pretty important moments. Um, and going back a little bit further, the club that we're in is for, uh, we don't have a sports management program here at Maryland. Um, so this club is basically a bunch of people trying to get their way into the sports industry somehow. Um, and you joined the commission right out of college or did you have some time after, did you know you were going in no. uh, in college? No, I was, uh, in a family business, uh, a beauty and barber supply business. And then I, was working for an advertising company called r and Advertising. And uh, one of my best friends was on the commission and he asked me to become an inspector. And the uh, inspector is the one you see in the corners or in the dressing rooms checking the gloves, making sure there's nothing in them or making sure there's not too many, much solutions on the fighter's eyes or Vaseline. So uh, I did that for a couple of years and then I became the chief inspector of signing those. And then my friend uh, passed away in uh, 1992, I believe. And the governor and the uh, commissioners appointed me director. So I had no no plans to ever do this. Uh, I was a marginal athlete in high school and college. I was on the track team at University of Nevada. And uh, loved sports, played intramurals, played uh, city league stuff. And uh, but the main thing is, after you graduate from college, Unless you're a good athlete, the only thing you can do is play city league. And what I did was I saw an ad that says you want to uh, do yell at the TV when you see bad calls. And, and so I became an official. And uh, that was over 50 years ago. I've been refereeing or being involved for over 50 years with officiating. And that helped me uh, with the uh, commission. There's some things I brought from that. But uh, for the students, for uh, and I don't know what kind of classes. Do they have classes in any kind of sports management? Not sports management, no. Just sports sciences, like like kinesiology. Well, if they had a sports department, I would tell you to write letters to every team around to the Orioles or to the Raiders. They always look for interns, and so that I would still do that. You can do that from you know I'm a, I'm a Maryland uh, student. And uh, is there any summer intern? Something, something to that extent. And it's, you know, you're right in the middle of everything, whether it's DC or 
that would be my first um thank you for that and um i also uh in a also i think your impact is understated because uh on you know the officiating is so important in mma and combat boxing like the official can be the decider on uh you know who wins who doesn't and I'm thinking back to the the um, I don't remember which event it was, but the Piotr Jan Sterling, where you right. need him in the map. Uh, you know that seemed controversial because it was a belt match and people didn't. And some some of my friends thought Sterling was being a little too cocky with it when he won. But um, people thought that he should not have been disqualified, Piotr uh, Jan, and um, it would have. Would have gone to the scorecards then, and uh, Peter would have won the fight. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of controversy over that fight. They will rematch here in Las Vegas in March. Oh really? Is okay. Um, yeah, I saw. Wait, wait, which UFC event is that? You said is that 271? Uh, you know, I never know my numbers, but I would assume 271 or 272. 270 is in Anaheim. I think it's 272. Okay, very cool. Yeah, I can't wait for that. I can't wait for the um, the Nganyu fight this this month. He's one of my favorite fighters, so I'm excited for that one. Yeah. Um, and do you still? You were talking about how you were uh, you started officiating. You still do um, shot clock for UNLV and and Mountain West. You were you a Mountain West uh, replay official? Yeah. So how? Is that just, yeah. So uh, I'm doing an uh, NBA G League game tonight on the shot clock. Oh, really? I don't know why they're playing here, but uh, it's good. I'll, I'll do it. Very nice. Is that at the Aces? Uh, it, it is. It's at Mandalay Bay, so it would be the same court. Very nice. Yeah, I'm, I mean, as a Maryland basketball fan, we're struggling a bit right now. I'm not sure about you guys, but, um, Basketball is a soft topic for us right now. Um, I was a Lefty Drizel fan. Say it again. I was a big Lefty Drizel fan back in the day when. Yeah. Coaching there, but that's a long time ago. In our in our heyday, you know, um, we're struggling a bit right now. But um, so, um, do you have any piece of advice for college students? that are about to enter the workforce in, and they may not know the career path that they'll join. Like you said that you didn't know you were going to do this and it just kind of kept propelling. Um, how, how, how does one stay headstrong? How does one stay on this path that of unknowingness almost? Well, I, what I would tell people is if you get a job, don't be looking for something else uh, until you have it. Because if you have a job and leave it, to follow your dreams, sometimes it's going to take a long time and you need income. So, uh, but I would do as much reading and, uh, as I said, um, Maryland, uh, I'm, I'm surprised I don't have a sports class. Uh, I even teach an officiating class at UNO. But um, sports management, sports is, is a big part of many colleges. Yeah. So that's one thing you guys should be pushing for is that there. I don't know if it'd be under education or under uh, athletics, but it certainly needs to be there. 
I agree. We we did actually just have our first trial class, um, but it wasn't sports centered. It was sports and events. Um, so kind of the operations side, how to create events. Um, so that's the right step. Um, but yeah, we're trying to push for more of that. Um, and uh, it seems that you've pretty much done it all in the UFC. Um, I noticed that UFC has, they were international before you joined, but after you joined, they kind of ramped up the international events. Is that true? Um, yeah, we, we were, uh, we had gotten to some places, but uh, in, in 2006, uh, we started going more, more to Europe and uh, been to Brazil, been to Mexico, been all over Europe. Uh, hopefully uh, in, in March or end of March, we'll go to London. It all depends on protocols now. Uh, we have been to Baltimore before. Uh, had a big fight there with John Jones. Mm. And, uh, sold out the, uh, it's an old arena now. But uh, yeah, that was good. We, we loved it. The commission there is very good. So uh, I would love to bring a fight back there. But uh, once again, it's about protocols and can we sell all the tickets? If, if there's one in, in Washington or Baltimore, I will definitely be there. I'll tell you that. And I'll tell you this whole club will be there. Okay. Um, uh, what it, but what is it like, you know, fighting for New York was took so much time. Was there an issue going international? Um, I know some countries don't have uh, commissions. What, what they have usually is a uh, sports ministry. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, sometimes we go to that, but we'll self-regulate in a lot of places. And I run it just like the uh, Nevada Commission is doing it. We have top of the line judges. We make all the uh, fighters do all the medical tests they would do. There's MRIs and all the blood testing. So we do run it that way. And uh, the results, uh, uh, result keepers will allow us to uh, do these fights and uh, put them in their computers. So the real fights, uh, we've been to Russia. Uh, so uh, yeah, we'll keep doing that. Uh, we're working on France right now. And uh, we just had a Zoom meeting yesterday and hopefully we'll be there before the end of the year for sure. Fantastic. Maybe with, maybe with the winner of Cyril and uh, Nevada. Um, do you see, what, what are the next steps for the UFC? Um, do you have any, you know, you've done, you've done all of these, you've pretty much, you've gotten every state, right? Um, and, uh, you've gone international. Are there any, uh, any accomplishments that you're working on right now? Anything you need to get to the next level? Like I said, we, uh, we're working on France. I think the whole continent of Africa is wide open. We would like to bring a fight maybe someday to Johannesburg. Uh, have these champions from Africa now. So uh, I, I think that there's a huge market there. So we're definitely looking at that. But we just need to get everybody well first and, and not have all these, all these protocols that make it so tough and the fighters to travel and the fans to travel. But uh, I would also like to do some seminars, uh, bring some of the top referees in and um, show film and talk about well, Mark, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. 
Um, for any listeners tuning in this week, make sure you follow the Locker Room Podcast on Twitter and Instagram and subscribe on Spotify and Apple Music. Mark, thank you again, and uh, have a good rest of your day. You have my email. If any of your people want to send you an email, you can forward it to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll answer. Great. Thank you so much, Mark. All right, Luke. Uh, go Terps again. Go Terps.